Hi, I'm Nicholas Michael McGovern. Hi, I'm Philip DeWines. Welcome to uh, the Horror Squad podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast. This is episode number 305, where tonight we are going to be talking about Eli Ross Thanksgiving. Also, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We hope you're having a great Thanksgiving out there, putting in your headphones, listening to us instead of listening to your annoying relatives at the dinner table. I am here, of course, as always, with Todd and Steve. Gentlemen, how are we doing this week? Hello, fine, getting ready to eat. Yeah, fine. I mean, not Thanksgiving for me, so just regular Thursday. <laughs> That's but right. It is what it is. <laughs> yes. Well, happy Thursday to you, Steve. Yeah, uh, Boxing Day the next day, don't you? No, that's after Christmas. It's uh, December twenty. Get it right, Todd. Yeah, Which is like our like our Black Friday. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but Steve, I know we got an interview this week, right? We do. So it's the uh, writer, director, and star of the movie Liberty, which is a movie I talked about on What Watch last week. So if you want to hear my review for that, just check out last week's episode. So the writer director's name is Phil DeWitt, and the star is Nicholas Michael McGovern. The movie is out now on digital slash VOD. So please check it out and uh, check out the interview at the end of the episode. Excellent. Excellent. So um, you guys got uh, any big plans for the big day or weekend or however it works with you guys? Not really. I'm just I'm going over to my family's house and then I don't know. Salem has a tree lighting on Friday, so we might do that. You know, now it's Christmas time. You know, Thanksgiving's over. Now it's time to do that this weekend. Maybe looking see if there's any good horror Friday, uh, Black Friday deals. You know, there's always something kind of pops up. So I'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully something good comes about. Yeah, for the uh, physical media collectors, Vinegar Syndrome always does a really big Black Friday sale, so you can check out that. That usually, they go live at like midnight or whatever, so check that out. Um, as far as Thanksgiving goes, nothing. Just staying home, making food, look, get, look forward to some chicken and some sweet potatoes and some uh, mashed potatoes and some, uh, some gravy, some Hawaiian rolls. Let's do it all. Some pumpkin pie. Just a time for feast. I'm expecting a full food review on next week's episode. And, uh, you know, don't skim on the details because uh, it's always some good stuff on Thanksgiving. And do you guys miss, like, the classic Black Friday? Like, we uh, we get a little bit of in this movie. Do you miss, like, actually physically going into stores and checking out the deals rather than just sitting in your underwear stuffed from all the turkey from the night before and uh, checking out deals online? Personally... No, I, I used to like the chaos of it all on Black Friday. However, the problem was is that it no longer was Black Friday and you had to go out at like six o'clock Thanksgiving night, which no, I'm not doing that. Like I want to just chill on my couch in my turkey coma and like after dessert and just have a few drinks, watch football or just watch a movie like with the family and just relax. Like I don't want to fucking go out to, you know, the big box stores at seven, eight o'clock at night and deal with people on Thanksgiving night. I was all for it when it was actually Black Friday. Like I was willing to get up at, you know, six, seven in the morning the next day and go through some of that. And it was kind of fun. But now the older I get, absolutely not. I'm, I'm good with just sticking online. 
Yeah, man. Online, you can get all store shopping done within like 30 minutes, opposed to, you know, the fucking traffic and the people being rude. And it's like not even that big of a deal. Like if you think about it, you'll see a lot of stuff like, for example, on Amazon, oh, uh, a 4K is on sale for half off. But they put it back up to the manufacturing price, which is like $35.99. So now you're getting half off, which is the standard price throughout the year. So like people see these like savings and it's like, it's not really savings unless you're trying to get like buy two, get one free for your, for your truck tires or something. That's a deal. But like, no, it's no thanks. I'll, I'll stay away from the stores. I, I kind of miss the videos though. You know, we, we don't get the crazy videos like we used to in the like mid 2000s to early 2010s but i feel they've been replaced by people trying to fry turkeys now that's like the new thanksgiving tradition of people like almost burning down their houses and killing their entire family with fried turkey so please if you're frying turkey for fuck's sake i've never had <laughs> i've never indulged in the fried turkey is anyone here no it's it, it just looks too, way too risky for like the little <laughs> Like, is it that much better where you're risking your life? Uh, fried, your food, fried, fried foods, man. Come on, you answered the question already. I don't know. Um, like, may, maybe yeah, like regular fried food, but something you have to have a pot outside and it's like, <laughs> fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's, it's, it's along the same lines as smoking. If you like smoking meats, you're going to do the commitment of right. 10, 10 hours, whatever it is. But do I really want to get into a Todd tangent on frying <laughs> foods? Yes, I do. Okay, so if there's a giant... Okay, so what, what's one thing they teach you in, in cooking, right? Even basic stuff is oil water do not mix so you cannot put a frozen turkey into a five gallon bucket of boiling oil what's gonna happen is gonna fucking explode and there's your fire so like it's like that's where all the shit's coming from is people that don't understand like the basic yeah to it it's like come on not not to mention people like fail to understand that the turkey represents mass so you can't just fucking mass. fill the whole fucking thing <laughs> of oil and expect the, the oil to stay there as the turkey goes in. Yeah. It's it's really a sight to behold how stupid people it. are. And the, the solution is to spray it with the garden hose, which just spreads the fire. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right, you guys ready to get into some horror news this week? Yes, sir. And now here's Joe with the news. Alrighty, thank you, Chuck, and here we go. This is your cup of joe for the week. Let's start off with Beetlejuice update. I can confirm that Beetlejuice 2 is filming because they were literally filming two towns over for, from me this week. Uh, Jenna Ortega and Tim Burton was spotted in Melrose, Massachusetts, filming what I suppose is the last couple scenes because from what Tim Burton had said before the strikes was that they were 99% done. So they just fi uh, wrapped filming yesterday in Melrose. Also, the big leak, of course, that came online was the supposed first image of Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. Have you guys seen this photo? Thoughts? Yes, you sent it to us. So. <laughs> <laughs> He just said he's 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 giving you a softball to hit a home run with Steve I know. Yeah, like I mean, shoot. Yeah, let's let's watch the movie. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not like it's a big revealing picture. You know, you see kind of half his face behind someone else with a needle and his uh in his hand. So I mean, it looks like an older Michael Keaton has Beetlejuice. You know, I don't know what else to expect from that. I, I think Steve mentioned this a while ago, but I, I can't stop thinking about it every time I see Beetlejuice stuff. Is that it'd be so friggin' funny if the first scene was uh, Beetlejuice in the waiting room and he gets called on for like his what was it like one million place in line or something like that? There, there's no other beginning of the <laughs> film so that funny. would be acceptable to me. Like it, that would be the 
the what would make the most sense, right? And then whoever is the counselor that takes him just like blows his head back up because it's still small from the last movie. And uh, yeah. Well, we shall see. Bill Juice will be coming maybe next year, maybe 2025. I guess it really depends how uh, it's going to work. But I think they are slating it for 2024. So we shall see. Another update is the newest Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, finally released their trailer. The movie will will be releasing on March 29th, 2024. I assume you both watched the trailer, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I saw in theaters like three times already, and this was my most anticipated film for this year. (laughs) But of course, it got pushed back to next year, so it will be my most anticipated film next year now. And I like what I see so far. I mean, it doesn't show a hell of a lot. just shows New York City being frozen over during like you know, early July. It does show that there are all the returning Ghostbusters, you know, the ones that are alive, of course. So that's really cool as to what capacity, I guess we'll see. I I expect there'll be more like extended cameos, like longer than they were in Afterlife, but not full-fledged, like, you know, members of the cast. And I'm, I'm digging what I'm seeing so far. So bring it on. Todd, you haven't seen it yet? And I just watched it as Steve was speaking. <laughs> and uh yeah i'm excited for it because afterlife was really good so hopefully it's yeah. good too agreed loved afterlife obviously is is fantastic and this one looks like it's it looks fun too love to see that the ghostbusters are returning i'm assuming and i feel like this might be the last time we see them this could be a passing of the baton movie and i'm okay with that you know let's kind of send them out to pasture you know they're old men now we don't need to keep seeing them it's great to see them but I don't know if we need to continuously see them in the background. Let's start maybe uh, a new franchise with this new cast. So we shall see. Uh, All right. A little update now on Salem's Lot. Of course, there is going to be a remake coming of Stephen King's Salem's Lot. The original plan this whole time, from what we thought, was that this movie was going to be hitting theaters. Well, apparently, that may not be happening anymore. As a studio recently came out and said, uh, Warner Brothers spokesperson came out and said, no decision has officially been made about the film's distribution plans yet, but with the ongoing strike has created a need for max content. So it seems like most likely Salem's Lot will be heading to max, of course, which was formerly known as HBO Max. So it seems like it will be heading to that platform instead. So is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? It's a good we, thing because we don't have to pay for it. <laughs> good good thing for us, but it also, to me, shows that maybe they don't have as much confidence in the film in theaters as maybe they once thought. After I mean, we... think of it this way, right? Five Nights at Freddy's just passed the biggest horror film of the year, and it was released the same day on Peacock. So same day. That, that doesn't it's... necessarily mean that they don't have confidence in it, I think. It's still, but it's still made a hundred million in theaters. Yeah, I know, you know it's like, crazy, <laughs> right? I mean, so you don't put it in theaters, you're not you're taking that money stream away from it, you know. So we'll see. I didn't like the original so as that much, so I'm hoping this one will be better. All right, a little update as well on Welcome to Derry. Of course, the uh, it TV series that is going to be hitting HBO. It has now been pushed, of course, to 2025. No surprise, it was supposed to come out this October. Most likely will be next October now due to the on, well, not no longer ongoing strike. The strike is now over, which I don't even know if we've talked about. So we will update you on that. Have you guys seen the movie Fall? 
Yes, it's the one on the tower, right? The tower. Yes, I did. <laughs> well, what if I told you, are you ready for two more? As it has officially been announced that Fall 2 and Fall 3 are coming. Keep I, falling I, and you'll never fall again. Part you two. know what? I kind of believe it because I know some YouTuber is going to watch that and like in-universe watch what happened and be like, I could do that. <laughs> you know? And there you have Fall 2 with someone going on a similar tower. It wouldn't be the same tower unless they rebuilt it. So we'll see. Uh, I like Fall, though. It's it's like a fun single location movie. If you're If you're going to watch one, it's, I guess, one of the better ones. But I don't know. Fall 2 and 3, kind of the same thing over and over, if you ask me. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. I Is it worth a watch, Steve? I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it, but if uh, you happen to see it streaming somewhere, it, it, you know, there's worse films to watch up there, that's for sure. If you like stuff like Frozen or Buried or things like that, then you would dig it. Okay, cool. All right, next bit of news here is an update on Fear Street, of course, Netflix's hit series from last year. What is the future of that well, we currently had an update from uh, the head of Netflix film. He said, obviously, there's a lot of books. Uh, there's one standalone movie that we're currently working on right now. We're once again trying to get the script right, but I like it very much, and so does the team. So I feel like we can get that script right, with a great, uh, which would make it for a great extension of that franchise. So uh, definitely at least one standalone movie for now. More coming, apparently. So, I mean, I do you guys want more for your street? I mean, I really like the trilogy we just got. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, a, it's okay. I'm not like super excited about it, but I'd watch it. So that's saying something, I guess. Okay. All right. And last bit of news here I have tonight is Jordan Peele will be remaking, well, his production company, anyway, will be remaking The People Under the Stairs, a movie we just talked about recently during our Wes Craven retrospective. It does not appear that Jordan Peele will be directing this one. It looks like he will just be producing this one, but I'm excited. Like, I think it's in good hands, obviously with Monkey Paw Productions taking this one over. The movie, obviously, like we talked about, had a lot of great political commentary, which is what Peele kind of does best with his horror. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I mean... We'll see. You know, like when we talked when we talked talked about the film on that episode, we kind of mentioned that it would have been good if they kind of focus on the people under stairs a little bit more. So I mean, hopefully, they kind of right some of the wrongs that the movie had. But yeah, I guess if it's tough to say, you know, George, when it's produced by someone, like how much involvement do they actually have? You know, you see uh, all the time. Like I was just when I went to see Thanksgiving yesterday, there's something produced by James Wan, but. Like, how much weight does that hold, really? Like, how much stuff does he put his name on? Uh, Eli Roth, actually, today's, you know, director, is a perfect example. I'm, I think he's produced more stuff than he's actually directed or written. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he did produce Candyman, which was yeah. very yeah. good. Yeah. So, we shall see. All right. Actually, I got one more for you guys tonight. Because it is, of course, Thanksgiving, I figured, why not give you guys some movies you can watch tonight? After your little turkey coma. So here are five Thanksgiving horror movies you can stream for free. Number one, Blood Rage. Of course, everyone's probably favorite Thanksgiving horror movie. Currently, you can check it out over on Night Flight, which I've never heard of. 
but there you go. This one you can check what is it out. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm assuming it's a free app, like sort of like Pluto TV or something. Also, Escape Room. Now you're gonna tell me Escape Room's a Thanksgiving horror movie? Apparently, it is. As the movie, I don't remember this takes place during their Thanksgiving break. It is apparently mentioned at some point. So there you go. You can currently check out Escape Room for those of you who have FX Now or Hulu. Number three, Christy, another very kind of an underrated, I think, Thanksgiving horror movie. That one you can currently watch over on Pluto TV, Tubi, and Vudu. And uh, also there is, there's here's one I don't think I've ever seen. We are what we are. Uh, that one you can currently watch on Pluto TV and Tubi as well. Have either of you guys seen that one? No. no. I like, I like so, Christy a lot, though. Yeah, we are. Are what we are after the tragic passing of their mother, daughters Iris and Rose are, for, are forced to assume her responsibilities and religious duties. So, there you go for those of you who might be interested in that. And then, finally, of course, this one's a bit of a cheat, but I think it is a family at their dinner table. You're next, currently streaming over on Max. So, there you go five Thanksgiving themed horror movies you can watch tonight so would texas chainsaw massacre then be a thanksgiving film because they have a dinner table scene with their family yes it okay. would. <laughs> good to know what watched yes gentlemen who wants to start off what we've been watching this week yeah i'll go all right so my first one is a 2023 film that i watched over on shutter i believe joe talked about it maybe last episode or the one before it is hell house llc origins the Carmichael Manor. This is the fourth film in the Hell House LLC franchise. It takes place uh, after. I thought it was a prequel originally, you know, uh, Origins, but it's actually a sequel to the uh, three films. It's a documentary about people who are filming kind of a documentary who go to this place called the Carmichael Manor and they investigate a ghost that uh, is haunting that place. So they kind of Airbnb kind of the, the house for five days and the guy who owns it is like, you're not going to last five days, but whatever, you can try if you'd like. So this uh, these three people kind of investigate what's going on in the house. Things start happening. Of course, there's some ghost activity. There are some things that tie into the Abaddon Hotel, which is the setting of the first three films. And there are some pretty cool found footage scares from there. So this is, in my opinion, maybe the second best of the Hell House franchise. I liked that they went outside of the Abaddon Hotel because I feel that this, all the stories that could have been told in that hotel has kind of been told at this point. And by number three, they're already stretching it a little bit too far, in my in my opinion. So having this house was pretty cool. There are some really good scares in it. Um, some of the clowns, if you're familiar with the franchise, make an appearance and a bunch of other ghosty type things. So I, I like that. My issue with it is that some of the situations in the film were a bit ridiculous. And I feel like the characters, had they just made better decisions, would have easily kind of gotten out of the house and been away from all this trouble. Some of the ghosts felt a little cheap to me as well. Maybe, I don't know if they were CGI or not, but they didn't look good, whether it's the makeup or the CGI that they put on them. But still, I think this is a breath of fresh air for this franchise. I can I can see them continuing the franchise. In fact, they tease something that's actually pretty exciting for the fifth one. So if you like Hell House, I would recommend it. If you like found footage, I would recommend it. 
but just don't go in expecting, I guess, too much. So I gave it three and a half stars out of five over on Letterboxd. Cool. All right. My first one is a 2023 title called Suitable Flesh, directed by Joe Lynch, who did Mayhem with uh, Stephen Young. Yeah. Anyway, it stars Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton and Judah Lewis, that kid from uh, The Babysitter. It's kind of got like, like a little bigger following as of late. But anyway, so basically this kid, he goes to Heather Graham, who's like a um, psychiatrist. He's like, you got to help me. Like, he wants my body. And you're like, wants my body? He's like, this is like a weird sexual kind of abuse thing. It's like, it's my dad. He wants my body. I'm like, what the hell? So it turns out that there is like this kind of, I don't know, like a demon or like some kind of force or whatever that hops from body to body and he doesn't always get full control it takes him a few times to get it and if he gets it by the first like the last one let's say it takes three times right third time then the, the character is like locked forever so he's like you gotta help me if he gets it one more time i'm dead this was developed by stuart gordon and before he passed so there's a lot of stuart gordon touches on this it feels a lot like kind of that like that style that he had and this movie is full of sex like heather graham gets railed like four times in it the problem with it, though, is that it's so goofy and, and poorly shot and edited. It, it was just, it, it was a shame because it's like you have these, you know, beautiful women, beautiful characters, whatever. And then you have like this sexy saxophone playing loud as hell over all the sex scenes. Like, are we in, are we watching 70, 1979's porn or are we watching a 2023 horror movie? It's really weird. Like, we have lines like Heather Graham's like, she's trying to help the kids. So she's like, I, I want you to come with me. He's like, I want to come in you. And then they have sex. That was the fucking, that was the point where he won her over. They didn't start banging. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So the score of the movie, it never stops. It goes on for 99% of the time. It's always something playing, which like, just let the movie cook. Let the characters do their thing. Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton do make out, which is a plus. Two beautiful women. When the gore happens, it's really cool and it has some really good blood and all that stuff. But overall, I was just like... It was so like corny and campy for the wrong reasons that it took me out of it. I was on my phone a lot of the time. So that's Suitable Flesh uh, 2023. And I don't know. It's on VOD right now. Speaking of Heather Graham, I just watched one of like the worst Christmas movies I've ever seen with her yesterday. It's like a new one on Netflix. It's called Best Christmas Ever with her, Brandy, and oh. Jason Biggs. <laughs> so okay. it, it was, my goodness, it was... It was quite terrible. It was not the best Christmas. <laughs> it was <ever>. not. <laughs> I I've seen better Hallmark Christmas movies than that one. So I I I would say skip that one for you Christmas movie lovers. I out had there. it on my list, but you know what? Thank you for. You're welcome. Telling me. You're welcome. Non horror related. To, I watched Fincher's new movie, The Killer. It was all right. It wasn't. It wasn't Fincher's best, but it was. It was decent. But all right, let's get into horror. My first one tonight is a 2023 release called totally killer you can check it out i believe streaming on amazon prime uh this one stars kiernan shipka who you might know from the sabrina television series most notably this one is about a young girl who basically the town is kind of become becomes famous from a, a serial killer 35 years ago known as the sweet 16 killer Sweet 16 because he stabs all their victims 16 times. Basically, what happens here is there is a tragedy that befalls Kiernan Shipkin's, Shipka's character, and she ends up in uh, a time machine and goes back to 1987 when the original murders took place, and now her goal basically is to stop the killer to change the future. 
I mean, sound familiar? Like for those of you who maybe have seen Happy Death Day Part 2 and Freaky, it is like an exact replica of those two like scripts just melded together, which makes sense because it is Blumhouse. So I feel like they was just kind of lazy and they're like, hey, we can like combine these two and make something fun out of it. Overall, it was, you know, it was fine. Like it was like a fun watch. I didn't hate watching it. I mean, clearly it's very teeny bopper. Like, you know, I'm definitely not the intended audience for it. But if you are a fan of Happy Death Day, I think you'll probably most likely love this. I was never like a fan really of either one of them. What so if I hated Happy Death Day. Then you'll definitely hate this. Right. Yeah, I would think. I did like Freaky though. So I think it, you know, it's a mixture between the two. So to me, it ends up like at a three out of five for me. Nothing I'll probably ever watch again. But I think they're overall, they're, I mean, there's definitely some fun to be had here with the setting. I love the the 80s aesthetic is always fun. And uh, it takes a lot of it takes place at an abandoned amusement park, at which I thought was cool as well. So, yeah, I mean, a decent one time watch, but nothing I, I would ever revisit. So and that's so that's uh, totally killer. Yeah, what I liked about that one was just seeing her reactions to things that happened in the 80s that don't happen anymore. It was just like a funny kind of observational humor of the differences. Yeah, that was a good running joke throughout the movie. Yeah, like, you know, guys would be saying inappropriate. One guy, I think the whole thing started with a guy he in the 80s, he had a shirt that said like uh, boob inspector or something. <laughs> right. He talks about like how problematic that shirt is. See, you we, know, had, we had that shit in the 2000s. FBI, we did. F- female did. booby female, inspector. Female body inspector, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was funny. Just like her kind of trying to school these people from the 80s on what is inappropriate in today's standard. And that was a good, a good fun part of it. Mm hmm. All right, my second one this week is another 2023 film. I watched this one on VOD, and it's called It Lives Inside. So this is a story of an Indian-American girl, and uh, she's a practicing uh, like Hindu, and she goes to school and everything, and then she has a friend that she's kind of had a falling out with because she's becoming a little distant and weird, and she's starting to like get really dark. Like She dresses dark, she has bags under her eyes, and she carries around this jar everywhere and just kind of stands there and stares at people and people are kind of creeped out by her so she's distancing herself from that girl but that girl eventually comes to her with the jar and is like look you're you're gonna be cursed and something's gonna happen but she gets annoyed by it so she smacks the jar out of her hand which releases a demon which then affects uh, the girl from our story and it's about the girl trying to get rid of the demon by using kind of hindu religion kind of like an exorcism but from a hindu perspective rather than a catholic perspective and that's basically the gist of the story is her and a couple people trying to get together and release this demon from her so i really like religious horror i've said it multiple times in the past and i especially really like religious horror that isn't necessarily like christian because there's so many christian horror films that you know i get my fill of that so it's cool to see something like Jewish, like we did a couple of years ago. Um, you know, we have a couple Muslim ones. Well, this one was Hindu. So I thought that was really kind of a cool take that we don't get often. And it was, it was like a decent film. The, the monster like slash ghost or whatever, not my favorite. It's got like an okay design, but it was mostly CGI. And that kind of takes me away from a lot of the stuff that happens. 
the movie's PG-13, and I feel like they really pushed to get that PG-13 because there are a lot of opportunities where they can have some really awesome kills, and they didn't. They either have the kill happen off screen, or they cut right before the good part, or a bunch of like tricks to kind of keep the gore to a minimum, which I think this movie needed to be something like special. Overall, I'd say like, I'm happy I watched it, but I probably wouldn't watch it again. And I wouldn't go out of my way to check it out. But if you like to hear, like, see different cultures and kind of the cultural differences that, you know, Indian Americans have compared to other types of Americans, it's, it's interesting. You know, it is like, it's not a hit, like a Indian film. It's an American film, just a different perspective that I really enjoy. So that's, it lives inside. I gave two and a half stars out of five. I started watching that one and the subtitles weren't working. So I had to turn it off. Because mm. uh, I think the mother spoke a lot. Yeah, she she speaks. Uh, she yeah, she only speaks in. Uh, yeah, in so I was like, eh, let me. I'll try again later. But I did finally watch Mad Heidi that you guys had excellent interviews for. Which could be it's honestly spoiler alert. My favorite favorite male actor of the award of the year award coming to Casper Van Dien for playing the the real Swiss president. Man, this movie is fucking wild, man. And it's like it, for, first of all, it's one ninety nine on. Amazon, so that's a steal. Two two bucks for an hour and a half. That's gonna kick ass. Even if you don't like it, you're still gonna be entertained. But essentially, it's you know, it's it's Nazis in Switzerland that their whole like spiel and stick or whatever is about cheese that's all they do right so everyone's fucking cheese if you go to prison they test you make sure you're not lactose intolerant by giving you like some cheese in your mouth and you fucking literally like die the casper van dean he's so fucking good in it and the first time we see him <laughs> it's a cut to like the swedish flag i think but it zooms out and then he it was underwear he was wearing it was so funny i was laughing the whole time and the little puns were really good the violence is fucking sick like whenever it hits it's really cool and if you, in my review on Letterboxd, I put, like, if you watched Turbo Kid, completely different films, but I felt like the same kind of, like, wavelength of that Turbo Kid in this movie. So if I think if you like Turbo Kid, you like this one, and vice versa. But uh, Mad Heidi hits, man. My only problem with it, honestly, besides, you know, a couple jokes not working, is, like, I, I'm not totally convinced it's horror. I know the filmmakers labeled it as such, but I really got more of, like, um, a Kill Bill with more, you know, silliness than I do a horror film. But if it's, you know, labeled as such, then they'll definitely be considered for the uh, for the list. So, Matt Heidi, $1.99, Amazon Prime. Go check it out. Yes. And plug, check out our interview with Casper Van Dien yes. and Matt Heidi herself, Alice Lucy, back, I don't know, 20 episodes ago or something like that, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You'll find it. You'll <laughs> find it. I... I I uh I label all of our episodes with the interviews as well, so you, it'll be an easy find. All right, our uh, my ne- my last one tonight, 2023 release once again. This one is called "No One Will Save You." I watched this one based on Steve's recommendation. Uh, this one is a a really interesting one. This one is a, a an alien film, alien sci-fi watch. Basically, I mean, there's not much to it. Honestly, it's about a girl who ends up being sort of attacked by aliens, but she's also dealing with being sort of uh, excommunicated from her community due to a tragedy that happened when she was a child. So it mixes kind of that together with this alien invasion. The most interesting thing about this movie is that there is absolutely no dialogue whatsoever. Um, I watch my movies with subtitles, um, and I shut the subtitles off because it was just like loud thud um, through it and stuff like that. I was like, I don't need this. I f- you know, you figure out really quickly that 
there is going to be no dialogue in this movie. So obviously it was a choice made by uh, the filmmakers to do that. And I got to say, for this movie, it works. It works like really well. It's not needed. The actress, she will rival, I think, maybe my favorite performance of the year for a female because she gives... To be able to not have really any dialogue, but to be able to convey uh, your emotions so well in this in the movie, uh, it really is just a feat and impressive in of it of itself. So uh, shout out to her. I'm not familiar with her, but I know she has been in quite a lot. Caitlin Dever, Booksmart, I believe, was kind of her breakout role from a couple years ago. So, yeah, this is uh, directed by Brian Duffield, who also did another horror movie, Spontaneous, which I believe you saw, Steve, a couple of years ago. So this is his second effort. I definitely want to go and check out Spontaneous now after watching this, because I feel like he is definitely uh, a filmmaker to watch after watching this one. This movie was heading in the territory of being top 10, maybe even top five territory for me because the aliens are awesome in this. Like they're just like classic aliens, but man, like even them, like not really speaking. I mean, you hear them speak, but obviously not in, in their language, but man, like at times, like you're scared of them, but then at other times, like I felt like bad for them or sympathetic. Like it was like really interesting the way they're able, they were able to kind of put this all together. My biggest issue was the ending, man. Like the ending just did not land for me at all. And it, it kills it for me because I was really loving this movie up until that last five minutes. And then it just, it just didn't work for me. So it dropped it down considerably. It dropped it from being an excellent movie to just a good movie. So I, I ended up giving it a three and a half out of five. Maybe we'll make the tail end of my top 10 now. I definitely still recommend checking it out, though, because I, I do think it is a solid watch, but just disappointed that ending didn't stick. Yeah, they fucked up with that ending. <laughs> no, no doubt about it. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for some trivia? Yes, sir. So, current trivia standings for quarter number four are Steve in the lead with 13, Joe second 11, me third 9. Overall for the year, we are standing at Joe. 74, Steve, 72, Todd, myself, 71. It is a tight butthole of a race. Let's go. I got one. Music related from my never-to-be-released Master (laughs) Tribute book coming 2024 Christmas. What song plays as Angela dances during her seance in Night of the Demons 1988? Uh, That would be uh, Stigmata Martyr. By ba- Bauhaus? 100% correct, but give me it in the way they sing it. Stigmata. Stigmata. Perfect. It's a great fucking song. It is. All right, I'll go next. I'll just give you guys my theme already. Clearly, okay. thanks Thanksgiving. No, so, thanks. Okay. I, I switched it up. I did have Stephen King trivia from last week, but... With it being Thanksgiving, of course, I had to do Thanksgiving horror trivia. So it's limited. You guys will definitely uh, have some guesses tonight. So let's go with the first one. This movie's alternative title is Nightmare at Shadow Woods. Thanksgiving? Incorrect. Captain Fever? Incorrect. I'll give you one more guess because it has another alternative title. The other alternative title is slasher blood rage yes that is correct it is blood rage i mean we went through like 
pretty much the gamut of Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, <horror>. wait. <laughs> I, w- I had the theme wrong. I, you even told me Thanksgiving. <laughs> For some reason, I was thinking Eli Roth. Oh, okay. I said Kevin Fever. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, too, like... Kevin Fever. Kevin Fever. I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> you know, maybe it's one of those movies that uh, takes no, place during Thanksgiving. Me being stupid. All right. Uh, first one tonight is guess the movie based off the IMDb parental guide. Oh. I do have a theme. Not gonna tell you what it is. First one, sex and nudity. Oh yeah. Thank you. Both of them. A teen boy sits in an abandoned car, and upon hearing a noise, a teen girl raises her head from his lap, suggesting oral sex. No nudity is seen. Thanksgiving trailer by Eli Roth. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> that that happens, happen. though. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blew my load too quick. <laughs> yep. Again. Violence and gore. A man breaks another man's neck and then shoots... A third man several times in the chest. Very graphic and bloody. Okay. Profanity. Cold your asses, boys. Ooh. Damn is used throughout the film. No. Yes. <laughs> Don't know. Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. A woman talks about how her brother left home at age 14 and came back years later as an alcoholic. As, as they do. As they do. And finally, frightening and intense scenes. There's a scene with a man being buried alive. Oh, it's not good. It's your, oh, we got your ball, Joe. It's your ball. <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, no, the town that dreaded sundown. No. No. And the answer was Uncle Sam. Oh. I don't remember any of that. Which it's we been a while. On, we reviewed on the podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Wasn't there some like weird like pedophile shit in that movie that yeah, we came across? I, I admitted that. Like I thought about yeah. putting into my uh, it was both in sex and nudity and disturbing scenes. Mm-hmm. It's just because he like d- does stuff with his sister, but there he wasn't a pedophile because they were both kids. Okay, it's still, it's still gross. Though. I it's didn't still weird. It. All right, incest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I drew the line there. I'm like, weird. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> All right, back to me. Yes. Yep. In in World War Z, 2013. How long does it take to turn into a zombie from the point of Instantly. infection? It's uh, Incorrect. five seconds. Incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> Incorrect? Mm-hmm. No. There's a scene where uh, Brad Pitt counts off oh. you know, how, I mean, how long it takes. And he's like, eh, okay, now I know. I want one more guess after. Just... All right. 30 seconds. Incorrect. Steve? I'm going to go 24 seconds. Incorrect. The answer is 12 seconds. Oh, 12 seconds. I mean, Steve was pretty close instantly, no, but not. There's no, there's yeah, no close in this. There's no close. No. I agree. It's too close to give. I it's agree. Too close well, was that with the uh, the doctor that he counts it? In the... um, no, it's in the beginning where he's like on the roof and he's going to kill himself. Oh, okay. he, he knows the 12 seconds from like the earlier scene. All right. Yeah. All right. Underrated. All right. All right. Guess the movie based on the IMDb information. Okay. Ooh. This movie is from 2008, clocking in at one hour and 10 minutes. Directed by Jordan Downey. We have a cast of Wanda Lust. I don't know if that's her actual name, but you know. Is it Poultry Guys? No. Natasha Cordova, Lindsay Anderson, and Lance Predmore. With the tagline... Warning, boobs 
in the first second? Um, I can't answer because uh, I already went. So, do you know that? Do you have? Do you know it though, Steve? No, <laughs> I, I was gonna get another guess, but Lillian, shush. <laughs> it is it is it, um, Thanksgiving Day Massacre. Incorrect. I'll give you guys one more. Okay. Guess. I I haven't seen it, so I don't know what year it came out. So, uh, Christy. Incorrect. I feel like it's um, like one of those we watched on the Three Guys days, where it was like similar, to like the stupid Easter Bunny kill movies that are like terrible. I think Poultry Guys. Bunny, Bunny Man Massacre. Yeah, but that's the one I was thinking of. That's yeah. obviously Easter. Um, I don't know. Poultry Guys was a good guess. Okay, well, I did. Uh, there was an alternative tagline that I did not use, and it was "Gobble Gobble, motherfucker." And the correct oh, answer was right. "Thanks, killing." Ah, oh, damn it! Son of a bitch. All right, mine is also. Oh, wait, is it my turn? Yeah. Yeah. Guess the movie based off the IMDb. Did you know section? Okay. Trivia. This film belongs to the category Canuxploitation, aka Canadian low budget films. Oh. I thought you said the sex term. <laughs> no. <laughs> cuck. I'm like, okay, we got cuck. No, it's not cuckploitation. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one is Goofs. During one of the earlier murders, the killer is sporting false women's fingernails that later disappear in later scenes. An impossible act that a killer would have time to remove the fingernails and adhesive in the midst of a real-time homicidal rampage. Hmm. Okay. Uh, crazy credits? The 20th Century Fox logo fanfare has been completely silenced. The soundtrack? Broken Man. Written by Larry Cohen, performed by Crime. And because I thought they were a little tough, I'm adding another trivia, which should help considerably with the answer. The killer was played by Derek McKinnon, a Canadian Nova Scotia stage actor who appears in 11 scenes total throughout the movie. In each scene, he appears wearing a different mask or costume, as well as his character. Terror Train? Correct. Yes. Mm. David Copperfield yes. shit. I He's forgot to mention David Copperfield. <laughs> yep, that's right. Yes. I forgot to mention uh Totally Killer and Totally Killer, the mask the killer wears looks exactly like Beavis. Beavis <laughs> <butthead>. <laughs> yeah. so. All right, this one might be a little too hard, but you know what? Fuck y'all. <laughs> All right. We uh reviewed this film. What is the name of Caleb's little sister, who the vampire Homer has a crush on and kidnaps? In the movie Near Dark from 1987. Oh. I have no idea. Homer, Homer kidnaps his sister and takes her to the motel room to watch TV. But Rose? Great, great right. movie. It's a great movie. I don't remember, though. Her name is Sarah. Sarah. Near Dark, best vampire film of all time. <laughs> you know how we're very good with character names. I know. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> character names. Yeah, I got to fuck you guys over somehow. Our specialty. Yeah, right. My last one tonight, three letterbox reviews. Guess the movie. For the good of humanity, we need more Thanksgiving slashers. Okay. All right. This movie was really hard to find, which is a shame because it's actually pretty entertaining. 
I'm going to go poultry guys. Incorrect. That's your go-to today. <laughs> There's just so many options. You know? And then finally, Justine, one of my favorite modern final girls. Justine. I mean, that's the giveaway, right? Um, yes. Is it that movie you like, Pilgrim? No, but Pilgrim is great for you oh, I gotta, looking for no, it's not. Thanksgiving it is horror. Great. Is it Christy? It is Christy. Yeah. yeah. Nice shot, fucker. <laughs> and I, didn't I was going to say you next <laughs> after yeah. that. All right. Last trivia for the night. It is guess the movie based off the letterbox reviews. All right. First review is my review. Oh. Um, Great. you guys didn't review it, so I, I couldn't use your yeah. you guys. Tell me I'll begin by I'll, it, then... <laughs> I'll begin by saying I'm not a fan of films that feature rape. So right away I was turned off by the film in the first few minutes. It does have a few interesting moments and some decent gore, but overall I didn't like this. The way the girls were handled in captivity made no sense. At first they're tied up and then they're just let loose to walk around makes no fucking sense. Glad I finally watched this one, but I will not be revisiting this. Hmm. Next one. You know, I usually love trauma, but this is a nope from me. Maybe a bit too grimy, even for my taste. Would not recommend or watch again. That's a curveball. Next one. Death by inflatable boob was not on my bingo card. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a terrifying? Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers? You're both wrong, so you could both go again. My last one. Yeah, it's a trauma film. Walks a strange line. Definitely not a casual watch. Of course, it's Eli Roth's favorite movie. Funny and cruel. Oh. Eli Roth, huh? Yes. Uh... Favorite film. It's not his film. Right. Yeah, you know, immediately my trauma knowledge is pretty bare bones. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, there's probably people yelling out there. (laughs) I feel like this probably, if you're a a huge trauma guy, this probably obvious. Wrong. Again, I don't nothing. So my theme tonight was holidays that are not Christmas or Halloween, and this one was called Mother's Day. Ah, I've never seen that one. I've heard good. I've heard it's good though. Well, I've heard some people say it's good. (laughs) You clearly didn't like it. No. All right, well, two for Steve, one for uh, Joel and myself, which brings our standings to Stephen Lee with 15, Joe second play 12, myself 10. Y'all don't get the yearly update. Oh, I am one away <laughs> from Joseph on the Let's year. See. So I got uh, five episodes left. Yeah, something like that. Well, we'll see. Getting down we'll see to the nitty gritty. And we yeah. don't ever do trivia on the year-end episode, too. So, Or do That's we right. record that one after we the don't. years? Oh, Usually it's after. It's right after. Year? Yeah, it's like right after yeah. the year ends, but we usually don't. Unless like we're in a t- maybe tied situation, then maybe we would do like a final trivia. Awesome. Cool. All righty. Well, that leads us to our main event of the evening, 2023's Thanksgiving, directed by Mr. Eli Roth, starring... McDreamy himself, the sexiest man alive, Patrick Dempsey, also starring Gina Gershon, and many others. Todd, take us away. Give us our plot synopsis. Certainly, straight from Letterboxd, we have After a Black Friday Riot Ends in Tragedy. 
a mysterious Thanksgiving-inspired killer terror terrorizes Plymouth, Massachusetts, the birthplace of the holiday. Picking off residents one by one, what begins as random vengeance, revenge killings are soon revealed to be part of a larger, sinister holiday plan. First question I have before I get into more of the details here. Joe, how accurate were these um, accents here? Actually, pretty, ac- pretty accurate, I would say. Like, these are like most massachusetts boston accents are like really over exaggerated but eli roth being from massachusetts obviously knows how to do it right i will say there are probably several references that went over your head that only people from around here would get okay cool so we start off the movie where it's uh we're at thanksgiving dinner which i actually thought was a really clever scene we see it from two families perspectives one playback rick hoffman who i incorrectly guessed was the killer from the trailer he was oh wait spoiler but anyway, whatever. Yeah, anyway, about 2023 films, when we talk about brand new ones, we're going to spoil them. So if you want to continue listening and be spoiled and watch. But Rick Hoffman, I thought he was the killer. He was not. But he's the owner of the local big box store. And he's like, yeah, I'm opening up on Thanksgiving night because fuck them. We're going to make more money. And then we transfer over to another family where he like the manager of the store is like, oh, man, I got to go in because fucking dickhead boss opened up the store. The other dude called off. So eventually we get to this store. Patrick Dempsey's a cop, whatever. He's he's doing crowd control, and it's just insane. Look at the videos you've seen online, like Steve mentioned, Joe mentioned earlier, times 10, right? There's like a, a budding riot. We see a group of kids that like the popular kids are in football, things like that. They roll up. They see a rival school that they just got in a fight with earlier. They're talking shit back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Everyone wants to get into the store, but like a couple security guards are holding them back. Long story short, the mob breaks in and multiple people are killed. And it's a little suspicious because the CCTV surveillance footage goes dark, even though it was working uh, right away or right when they started. So a bunch of people are killed. Flash forward a year later, and the owner of the store, Rick Hoffman, is trying to like rebuild his like image. Like, hey, I'm a family guy. We're, we're helping the town. Um, turns out one of the girl's boyfriends, the main character girl in here, Jessica, her boyfriend was like a star pitcher, but in the... Black Friday riot, his hand and wrist is fucking smashed, and now he can't pitch baseball no more. And he ghosts her for a year, so we don't know anything about him. Is he the killer? I don't know. Also in that scene, we have a guy uh, named Ryan who kind of likes her. Is he the killer? I don't know. We'll find out. So a year later, and people start getting bumped off that had something to do with the riot. There's a viral video out there that's making the rounds, filmed by one of our characters, showing like people being killed, and you know, like the hashtag sub- subscribe, like smash the like button, things like that. Basically what we do now in society. And then someone is bumping off these characters that has something to do with it, like I said. And we're trying to uh, ride along with the characters. Patrick Dempsey, the cop. Uh, We got Jessica, the main chick. Her boyfriend's missing, like I said. She's got this new one that no one likes. Got drug dealers. We got a dude that sells fucking firearms. We got a party going on. We got a nerd kid that writes papers for one of the football stars. We got the main football player. He's a baller. We got so many fucking characters in this movie that no one is going to get any fleshing out because there's too many people to choose from. Right off the bat, though, I was really into this film, man. I had a lot of fun with it. It's not something that is rewriting the genre, but it's definitely something that I think is returning Eli Roth to form. Just make a fun movie with fucking great gore and violence and exactly what he did and i liked it what do you guys think yeah i i agree sometimes just doing it simple is is the way to go and with i think with not a lot of options for thanksgiving horror movies like this was a treat like to fi- to finally get something that is worthy of being able to watch i think yearly i think 
the intro to this movie is contender for like maybe my favorite scene of the entire year. Like the fucking Black Friday rampage scene is amazing. It is so fucking good. It's just crazy, like over the top ridiculousness. My biggest complaint in the past with Roth, Roth has always been his juvenile comedy. Like the biggest thing that comes to me is like the Green Inferno, like shitting scene, like stuff like that. Just stuff that was just like so unnecessary. But like you can tell how much sort of he's i guess grown as like a director because like his mix of comedy and horror here i thought was like perfect like it's and it really shows in this opening black friday scene like when the dude gets his fucking throat cut like with the glass and then he fucking still manages to go over there and grab the waffle iron like bleeding out dying i was like dying laughing like it was just so it was so so good yeah, I mean, it's just dumb. It's just dumb fun, man. Like, the whole movie is just really dumb fun. Turn off your brain. Enjoy the ride. My biggest complaint would be, was the the amount of characters, right? Like, there's just not, there wasn't, like, any time to flesh out any of these characters. So, they're just kind of there. Like, you don't really give a shit about any of them or what any of their fate is. So, that would be my biggest complaint. Like, it's just, like... At the end of the day, it is just sort of a paint-by-number slasher. There's nothing really new here or interesting, but it's still just like I still had so much fun watching it. Yeah, I echo a lot of uh, what you guys said. I, I think it was a really fun movie. It was nice to finally get like a proper Black Friday attack at the beginning of the film because when we watched Black Friday a few years ago and it was like really tame and then Krampus had a decent one, but this one finally took it to a level where like a horror fan would enjoy it. I absolutely love that scene. The kills in general in this film are really, really fun. They're creative. They're gory as hell. They're, they're, there's some really good ones in this film that I, I appreciate the hell out of that. There are a few moments in the film, just random little moments that I enjoyed so much. Like there's a cat, like a, there's a scene where there's a cat in the scene. And the killer kind of disposes of the person. And then the cat is like near his food bowl. And he kind of looks over at the cat. And most films, he would probably kill the cat or do something. But no, he feeds the cat, pets it, and then leaves. I, I love like little moments like that. It's just kind of, um, I don't know, it's just, it was just funny, you know, like not a overly comedic way. My issue with it is kind of like what Joe said. I didn't super care from a lot of the characters. Some of the subplots were completely unneeded to me. Like the... Uh, kind of the the three-way thing that they had going on like the love triangle it wasn't that interesting to me and I didn't care about it I didn't care for the boyfriend I didn't really care for the other dude either so I didn't give a shit and they harped so much on that relationship that just like it was boring me at times and the kills were amazing when they came but sometimes there were long periods where there really wasn't that much going on it was a lot of chatter but that really wasn't leading anywhere interesting and my final issue is that I didn't particularly love the reveal at the end because I thought it was too obvious. Like if you have seen any horror movie and you're watching it, you're probably going to know who the killer is. And it's just it didn't do anything fun or special, in my opinion. But I still enjoyed the movie overall. See, I didn't I didn't guess the killer. Are you saying you guessed the killer was Patrick Dempsey? Steve? Yeah, it's based off the fact that it's Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> you know, it's like... So it, it's like a guy with a red shirt in a Star Trek episode. You know, you just know. <laughs> so, so my, so my opinion, like I thought they he did a great job with a lot of red herrings in here, and I, I wrote down some lists here. We got the deputy, 
right? Who's obviously, like you already said, the store owner and the store manager, because the store manager is like laid out to be the bad guy, even though that was a little bit too on the nose. The the high school pitcher that goes missing for a year and the new boyfriend, I thought they would have been good killers. Also, there was a weird scene too where the deputy, the bigger guy, he goes in and Patrick Dempsey's like, hey, do you know the detective's like, yeah, we know each other. I'm like, are they either lovers or are they dual killers? And I thought there was a lot of signs that pointed to this movie having two killers. In the opening scene, someone turns off or someone's in the security room and it's, it can't be Patrick Dempsey. He's out in the, in the crowd. So I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, there's, is it a movie mistake that the dude that attacks the girl in the, in the, um, the restaurant is a small person, smaller than Patrick Dempsey? Is that just a stuntman problem? Or is that like, I was like, oh, this is a different killer now. Like, so I thought, Maybe that we had two killers, and I was really hoping for one because I agree. I didn't think Patrick Dempsey's reveal or motive was fleshed out or done well enough. I think the better film, personally, is if we're going to have a main cast of high school kids, which no one cared about because, like everyone said already, they weren't fleshed out, and we're going to have that love triangle, I think that she should have been like a bitch character and having the pitcher, the baseball pitcher, and then the dork kind of guy, like. Uh, vying for her attention in the in the opening scene so it makes it like easier like to betray her later on where i think that both the boyfriend characters should have been dual killers in my opinion i think it would have been a, a better film plus we have to see like the killer has to know what's going on that's why that one blonde chick is killed because she's gonna go to florida so he has to kill her next so it would have been awesome to have the fucking boyfriends or whatever join forces to just pick off these people because they don't like them i i mean i personally agree with todd i did not see patrick dempsey as the killer i mean i know he's obviously the reason probably why he took the role like obviously like if i'm gonna do this like i want to be like the biggest character in the movie which is fine i mean patrick dempsey's awesome so i got no problem with that and he does a good job here i mean i think his motives make sense right like he was having an affair with uh gina gershon's character and she was pregnant right so like they did kill his family so i could see why he would want revenge on the kids that essentially started this riot, right? They're the ones that sneak into the store and be little assholes taunting these people to come into the store. Had they not done that, you know, I don't think this would have ever happened. So to me, like the motive makes sense, but the reveal I agree was like lacking a little bit. Yeah. It, it was almost PowerPoint presentation type of uh, type of situation again, where it's like, as soon as he's revealed, there's this whole speech about the plan and how it all worked out. And this is why I used you in this way. It's just like, goddamn, just, just pull out the fucking projector and <laughs> explain it to us, please. It's just one of those situations that I didn't super love. Yeah. Eli Roth does another thing I don't like. And Joe mentioned his, um, kind of juvenile comedy but something i noticed from his films too is like he has to put something in that explains a character's motive later on the film but it's shoehorned in like crazy for example in hostel ah, what's his name both both lead characters uh, they're backpacking and these guys are supposed to be best friends for fucking years right and he's like yeah um there was a drowning and i should have saved him and i would have jumped into the pool but i was afraid i'm like oh so now he's gonna fucking be justified to say something later and then you know an hour later he hears someone screaming in the hostel and even though he escaped, he goes back to save her. He does the same exact thing in this film, where it's a throwaway stupid line that's forced in, where the girl's watching someone with a black powder rifle, and she's like, oh yeah, my dad taught me how to do that. It's scary, and I don't like it. I'm like, oh, she's going to shoot someone with a black powder rifle later, and exactly what she does to get rid of the killer at the end there. I'm like, dude, just fucking do something else. Don't telegraph it. I don't know if you guys caught that, but I'm like, 
he did it again with Hostel. Now this. Uh, what do you guys think of John Carver? Like the John Carver look. I I don't know. I think they could have did better, right? Like the mask was cool. I suppose like it was cool, right, for a Thanksgiving movie. But the the outfit was lacking. It was literally just a black jumpsuit. Now I did read online some people are saying, well, it's like kind of a a wink at well, hollow. This is like thanksgiving but like halloween but in thanksgiving so they did the black jumpsuit took as kind of an homage to halloween well michael myers i mean so i guess that makes sense if that's what they were going for but i don't know i i feel like why not wear like a full pilgrim outfit right like i mean that would have made more sense like the black jumpsuit wasn't doing it for me but i did love like obviously the burnt mask look when that finally happens i thought that was a cooler look and i really loved when he even wore the thanksgiving apron around him like i thought like when they kind of added little additions to the costume it was cool but like in general i I wish kind of they did a little more with the costuming for him I think the problem is that they want to give you the illusion that he's changing in and out of the costume really quickly and getting into a pilgrim costume is probably not something, you know, that you can just do quickly. And that's kind of maybe a scream homage in some way with Ghostface where you can be in and out of character like without being noticed. Right. Uh, So I think that was the whole point of having a simple character. So in that sense, I didn't mind that it looked, you know, just, kind of plain i did like the mask though i thought that was a really cool thing and i liked that they showed who's giving out the mask and why people have a ton of masks out there and you know it kind of explains why there are so many in the parade for example that have the mask another issue i have though is that his plan is to have all the bodies for like a thanksgiving dinner and i part of me kind of wishes that he just succeeded in this plan and the last scene which would have been the reveal is him sitting at the head of the table, takes off the mask, and then just kind of smirks at the camera as he's eating dinner with all the bodies, you know? I I, I am kind of bummed that they kind of ruined that plan by fucking around. Some of them were alive for whatever reason, and some of them were half torsos and one head on a plate. It just, it could have been such a fucking cool scene where he had actually completed his, his plan, it, and it would have been different than a lot of slasher films. Whereas this kind of went into these typical person gets away and on this big scene, but the killer is not, maybe not dead. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it went too much in familiar territory for me. That's a great point. Cause that would have been awesome. And like, that brings me to the point of did Roth hold back a little bit here, right? Like the gore is like solid, but you look back to that trailer he made that fake trailer he made 16 years ago. And you know, you get the trampoline scene, but you don't get, it like you did in the they could have did something fucking crazy there right like where she fucking does the split onto the knife like i was expecting that and it didn't happen and i was disappointed and she also doesn't get naked which was another disappointing part which she does in the trailer but i'm like man like why didn't he do that and then like even in the fucking trailer like isn't there like fucking someone fucking a turkey at the end of it or something like that like (laughs) why didn't we get like batshit like why didn't he go batshit crazy like he did in the trailer like i feel like he he did like dial it back uh, slightly i mean he brought the gore but as far as like other fucked up shit he could have did i feel like he could have did a little better I agree. And, you know, as much as I like this film, I was still disappointed by what you just mentioned, too. And I I wanted the trailer as a future film. You know, I wanted the time period. I love the fucking look of it, the feel of it. Um, I hate cell phones and modern horror. It's just like it it takes me out of it because there's so many ways to get out of situations when you have cell phones now. So I thought it would have been really cool to just have that throwback to what you mentioned. And I, I still like the trampoline scene. I think it was pretty brutal her jumping on it and getting stabbed multiple times. But yeah, like 
an 80s slasher like just i don't it sucks that like we didn't even get like a couple making out in the car like on like a makeout point like in the trailer and it's so funny like he's she's giving him a bj in the trailer and then head gets cut off right and then another boyfriend comes and they start making out and then he gets killed it's like it would have been so cool if they went that way i agree yeah, I, I agree. The trailer should have been essentially the trailer for this movie, but made with different actors because, you know, obviously the film was made, what, like 15 years ago? So it makes sense to change the people, but it should have been that. And But to, to talk some good stuff about, about the movie, what were some of your favorite kills? Because there's definitely a few that were pretty gnarly. A lot of the kills are freaking really cool, man. I think the most brutal was the, um, the oven scene where he's cooking her in there. I'm like, man, that, that, this is fucking awful. Um, which leads to a really cool reveal, which is in the trailer too, of the of the human turkey on the <laughs> on the TV, which is fucking really cool. Honestly, probably where the grandpa gets like the spear in the back of his head, and his grandkids get all the blood all over him. That was a really cool scene. I I think all the kills were really cool. Yeah, agreed. I think most of the kills were all like really cool. I I mean the black friday scene like gina gershon's death is pretty brutal like i really loved that one when she fucking gets her head ripped off uh by the shopping carts that was great but i gotta go with todd those two other two like the the oven scene as far as brutality the oven scene just like made my skin go oh like i could just feel that like burning sensation but as far as best gore scene definitely the shit going through the grandfather's uh head which we could after Steve talked. We got to get into that whole parade scene because that mm-hmm. is uh, just an amazing scene. I got one more before Steve gets his. Uh, I really like the the dumpster with the waitress. So fucking cool when the car hits it and it cuts her in half, and then he mounts her on the fucking sign. That was really cool. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing for me. the The turkey kill is cool, but I kind of wish they reserved that for the end. You know, because it's Thanksgiving, that should have been the final kill of the film. But again, you know, we won't harp on all that again. Uh, I agree that the car kill was the one that I liked the most. Even see the kind of the nose displaced because it's like right in the middle of his face. Super fucking well done. And like Todd said, the the one with the dumpster just came out of nowhere. Like I didn't expect it to be that gory, and I. I, I really like that. It's uh th- that was a really cool kill as well. So it's he did a good job with with the kills. It just I just kind of wish there was more to be honest because they do a lot of it kind of early on, and then it kind of stops for a, a long time, and that's it's too bad because I thought it would be more of a gore fest. I guess. Yeah, too many characters survived this. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, way too many right. characters. Like I thought me. that's why they had so many characters. But when I saw yeah. that the friend group was so big, I'm like, great, these are just like people to kill, you know. And yeah, because we had the survive. we had the nerdy kid that hangs out with like the pothead slash gun dealer. They yeah. survived. We had a mm-hmm. uh, football player. He survived. We had the new boyfriend survive. Like a lot of characters in any other movie, all these characters die except the, the lead chick. Which makes no sense because why does he keep those two characters alive at the table? Why aren't they dead? Why aren't they on no spikes? Where, Especially like, like this big motherfucker. Like you don't want right. him alive to, exactly. to break out. It, yeah. ju- it just it didn't make sense. Yeah. It's weird. I feel like a lot of this was well. I mean, it's you know obviously it's his vision, but I think a lot of the stuff is on the cutting room floor. Like I think a lot of stuff was cut out. But them living, yeah, no, no sense whatsoever. But the security guard dies, right? Yeah, you know, like come on. Yeah, I I want to get into. We were just talked about it, but the parade scene, like man, like see, this is something that worked so well in the trailer like you see you get a piece of it in the trailer and he fucking brings it to perfection i think in this movie it's just so good like 
did you like the choice of it not being John Carver and that he was in the crazy clown outfit? Like that was sort of another right of like red heron, like surprise moment. I didn't mind it. I thought it was cool. I also don't know if it was paying homage to I know did the last summer because I felt like it was like beat for beat, almost the exact same scene. And I know she did last summer where she's on the parade float and she's looking out for all the fishermen, you know, would keep popping up. And it's like the same thing in this, all the people in the John Carver masks. So I don't know if it was like an homage to that. If you like Roth, like loves that movie or something, but I was getting big vibes on that. But then obviously all hell breaks loose with the killer clown. Just, I want to hear your guys thoughts on it. It, it makes sense because they're obviously looking for John Carver and he would know that, right? As being uh, the the chief of police or sheriff or whatever he is, so it makes sense that he wouldn't be John Carver in that particular scene because he, it would be just too obvious. And they were actively making like those people disappear, right? You can see him come from from the float. So I thought it was good. It, it would have been stupid if he had just been John Carver and somehow slipped through the cracks. It, it would have been weird. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the opposite view i think it would have been cooler if he was john carver and every fucking bystander was in that same costume kind of like how scream does it you know what i mean where like you're in the scream theater and everyone's wearing a scream costume or in the subway in the last movie which is a really cool scene everyone screams so you know like who the fuck is killer he could have like got into the crowd easy and slunk away but as cool as i thought that was cool was beheading the fucking turkey was awesome and the grandpa kill and everything i wanted more man like more we have so many potential victims like let's get it going but honestly with with modern horror like it's hard to pull off these these massive things because there's fucking 30 cops in that crowd you know what i mean it's going to be over and done with so you kind of have to go smaller in this in this sense but i still loved it when he beheaded that fucking turkey guy <laughs> But it could have been a comedy of errors. Like, it didn't have to be him killing everyone. You know, it could have been the floats going kind of crazy and then starting to kill people like it did for, for that guy in a car. So, like, think of, um, what was it, Ghost <laughs> Ship? That, yeah. uh, w- w- with that fucking wire? Like, it could have been just something that he started that the chain of events killed a bunch of people. That's and I, I kind of make, I kind of echo your sentiment, too. And that's something that kind of bums me about Black Friday. I thought they cut it too early. Uh, there were so many victim possibilities in there of just, it didn't even have to be death, but of more people fighting and everything. They kind of ended that scene abruptly. And I kind of wish there was a little bit more to it. It was it was a little goofy too, where he flashbangs the car and then manages to like kidnap them all in broad daylight. <laughs> like, uh, come on. Yeah, I guess that's the first hint that it's a cop, right? Like, then I guess that to most people would be the giveaway. I still didn't see it coming, but I guess that does make sense. Like, why he was using all of sort of the police tactical gear and stuff. I don't know. It just it just felt a little out of place for me. Like compared to like all the rest of the stuff he kind of does in the movie. But it was a great scene. So yeah, I, I, I didn't I, hate it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I I still think this would have been a better two killer movie. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I thought being a one man show, it was not plausible. All, all the stuff he was able to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great point. I, I was thinking two killers too, for a lot of time. Like obviously I, for, I don't know. I was a little confused by like when that kid was in the costume, like I assume like he attacked what was going on there. Cause like, which part when, so, Towards the end, when she escapes the Thanksgiving dinner scene, 
we find Patrick Dempsey's character like oh. bludgeoned. Yeah. And then she goes and she looks and she sees the kid in the costume and we're to assume that it's the boyfriend character, right? Her it's new boyfriend. Baseball player. Yeah. Her, the, no, not. Oh, oh yeah, it is the base. Oh, yeah, you're right. The old boyfriend. Yeah. The kid who broke his arm mm-hmm. is there and we are to assume it's him. But then it's like, it's kind of like, there's, I feel like they didn't explain it well. And I was like, oh, wait, are there two killers now? He, he explains it briefly. Okay. He says he was going to, he, he dressed him up and he was going to execute him and then pin the murders on him. But he broke out and tire ironed him in the face and then everything lined up perfectly for them to arrive at that location. Okay. I definitely missed that little ex, expo dump. <laughs> It was in the presentation, Joe. You should have. Seen I, mean, I miss. I miss. I miss the slideshow. I miss that part of the slideshow. Yes. Uh, that's funny. All How right. do you feel about the final showdown, though, in the little float factory, whatever you want to call it? It was okay, right? Like I kind of agree with Steve. I think they should have. That could have maybe been earlier, like, and he gets away or something. Like you still could have had the turkey explode, right? And like he survived. But I think I I think the final scene should have been the Thanksgiving dinner table scene. Like I it's the movie's Thanksgiving. Like it just makes too much sense. Like that being the final scene, it was just okay for me. Like I, I, I didn't love it. I just thought it was, it was like a little lackluster for me personally. It, it felt too generic for me. Yeah. Like it just, yeah, there was nothing special about it. Sure. That giant Turkey explosion was cool, but it was nothing overly special. You know, there's just, uh, yeah, I was kind of bummed out by it, to be honest. It just, it wasn't that good to me. Yeah, it's lack. I, you know, mirror hundred percent lackluster. And one of the cops is like, "No one could have survived that explosion." But we look, and there's like the building's fine. Like helium, I guess you know, explodes on contact or whatever. But it's like, I don't know. It. You guys mentioned it. It's 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 by the books. It's standard. It's we're gonna have a sequel because this guy wasn't found, which I love fucking Steve's idea of having the end of it. He fucking wins. Or we don't even know who the killer is. That's even cool, too. Like, he never takes the mask off. He just starts snacking. But, like, for him to, like, really? He's going to disappear from this fireball explosion we know he wasn't killed during. And then, yeah. It, it was a, it, That's where it lost me was that final 20 minutes or so. Because I, I honestly was loving it, everything else. Yeah, I agree. We didn't need to know who it was. If he sat down at a table and they pulled a halo where they, like, cut right like under his chin so you don't see his face. But you see him take off the mask and start eating, like, the... the dope. Yeah, you know, that would have been amazing and like like health different. Yeah, when the some random fucker like, goes yeah. back to home and hugs his daughter and it's like, which is what we all loved about it was that it was different, right? It it didn't have the normal slasher trope and yeah. Yeah. So where do we go from here? Like they set it up for a sequel. Are you guys excited for a sequel? Do you want this franchise? Do you want this to become a franchise? Is this making money? I haven't checked. It didn't yeah, do great. T- so t- ten point two million, I think. It made it made ten. It made twelve million worldwide. From what I read, it would have to make about thirty million to start profiting. So it's not great. Not great. It didn't do great. Yeah, I mean, I, it will probably at least break even. Might make a minimal profit. So, mm. I mean, if it if they do a sequel, might not get to theaters. It might get you know a streaming type thing, might, which might be better for everybody. Could be. But, yeah. yeah. I think with holiday horror, especially, people are just going to watch it every year and they're going to rent it every year. They're going to buy the Blu ray. They're going to, you know, so I think it's going to have legs. So I'm not worried about it making its budget back. For a sequel, though, that I don't know. 
but I feel they can make this movie for cheaper too. They can make Absolutely. this for like three, three, four million. You know, they don't need a thirty million dollar budget for, no, for just, this movie. You don't even need Patrick Dempsey. You can, no. you could have killed him off and yeah. just made someone, someone else took, the takes mask, the mantle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was <laughs> the guy in line that didn't get a fucking waffle iron. I'm gonna rampage. Well, that lies the problem, right? Sort of, because like Patrick Dempsey's our killer. So if you're going to make sequels, do you have to bring him back? Or can you find like a protege, I guess? I mean, I mean, since he went missing, that's like. He's a, he commands a lot of money, right? So like, yeah. I can't imagine he's coming back for the sequels. And now he's yeah. world sexiest man. Or sexiest exactly. man alive, yeah. now so. He's going to command even more money now. Yeah. To that. Fuck. But um, I, I'll tell you what though, like I'm definitely getting the naked figure of this. Like yes. I'm getting that fucking thing. I'm getting the Blu-ray, whatever they put out. Cause it's, it was fun, man. And I'm, we I off the top of my head, like a, a true slasher like this, like we don't get these that often anymore. Yeah. They get the mask too, NECA. Oh, do they? Cool. It's like a t shirt mask combo for thirty oh, bucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Pretty cool. I'm sure you'll start seeing a lot of John Carver's popping up at horror cons. It's a very easy cosplay to do. So That'll be a fun one as well. Patrick Dempsey at Horicons. Uh, is that the that no? May, you never know. Maybe I'm sure the guy who did the stunt double work will end up at Horicons. He's probably already at Horicons. <laughs> yeah. like, he has actually already been announced. I think for one. One of the booze at Horicons. This guy's at Horicons. It happens sure. every time now. Like as soon as a horror movie comes out, they announce like some random person that was in right. it. Uh, yeah, they just announced the Exodus girls from the new one are doing oh, yeah. them now too yeah so. they did a consignment like right before the movie came out it was... yeah <laughs> uh all right gentlemen we all done you ready to rate this sucker sure all right i'll start us off yeah i mean overall it's fun right like it's one i watch around thanksgiving every year it's one of the best ones probably the best one since blood rage is it better than blood rage i don't know i'd have to rewatch blood rage and compare and contrast the two but it's definitely one of the better slashers to come out. Is it the best slasher of the year, though? I don't know. Maybe not. Scream 6 is up there for me as well. So it's good, dumb fun. Turn off your brain. Have a good time with it. There's issues, though, right? It's still a paint-by-the-numbers slasher movie. They didn't reinvent the wheel. I think they could have did more with it, but it's still a very good movie and probably something that will end up maybe cracking my top 10. So I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. All right, I'm going to be a little bit more generous with it. I love Eli Roth. Um, Cabin Fever and Hostel and Hostel 2 are phenomenal, in my opinion. And I appreciate that he's returning to form, making fun movies. And I love slasher movies. It's one of my favorite genres, uh, Next to Zombies. I loved this movie until we got to the reveal and that whole section. I was like, man, this is fucking my number one of the year. Let's go. And then it kind of happened like that. I was like, oh, we're getting a little bit lazy. We have too many characters. Why is the one girl's dad a Russian dude? Why is that even a fucking point in this film? Doesn't make any sense. But I still had a really good time with this. I'm at a freaking four out of five. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot too, but it did have some issues. And I will watch it again because, like you said, not a lot of whole Thanksgiving horror to watch. So this is a perfectly good one to put on. I'm with Joe, three and a half out of five. Uh, probably won't make my top 10. Uh, it's close, but probably won't make it there. But it's definitely one people should at least check out, I think. All righty. Good stuff, gentlemen. Uh, all right, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. We hope you enjoyed our review of Thanksgiving. Steve, what do we get next week? We have American Psycho and our returning guest, Missy, is coming back to join us. 
to talk American Psycho. So I'm pretty psyched. I, we, we talk a lot about American Psycho on this show. We do. So it's about fucking time, I think, that we review it. So it should we'll be a fun Paul episode. Allen's card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, you know, I saw on, I forget where I, I saw it, but someone did Patrick Bateman's skin and workout routine for like a month. Oh, really? And like his skin was fucking glowing and shit. He's like, damn, <laughs> shit, <laughs> shit works. <laughs> That's awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, if you want to hear us talk all things American Psycho next week, definitely tune in. But in the meantime, you can follow us on any of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram threads. Just search the Horror Squad podcast. You can also email us anytime, thehorrorsquadpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord. Just send us a DM through our socials or an email, and we will get you a link to our discord amazing community over there movie club every month a lot of behind the scenes stuff so definitely join that i know movie club got moved december 1st do we know what we're watching yet steve no we're gonna put up to a vote on uh, the discords and that vote will come be coming up very soon all right so movie club december 1st check that out as well and i think that's about it merch don't forget merch tpublic.com just search the horror squad podcast a lot of fun designs over there more to come also don't forget lead um don't forget leave us a five star review if you haven't already on any of your favorite podcast apps that definitely helps the podcast the most if you can do that and lastly don't forget stick around for our interview with bill dewitt and nicholas michael mcgovern from the film liberty All right, so stick around for that interview, and we will see you guys next week. Once again, have a very happy Thanksgiving. Bye. 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we have two special guests to promote the new film Liberty, which comes out on digital November 21st. Writer-director Philip DeWitt and the star of the film, Nicholas Michael McGovern. Welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you. Can you tell our listeners what the movie is about? So, in few words, so Liberty is a movie where freedom is at the heart of the movie. It's uh, whether animal or human, in wildlife or in our city, loss of freedom has a profound impact. So, Liberty exposed the suffering of wild animal in captivity. It is a true achievement. Excellent. Philip, what was your inspiration when writing this story? Uh, I feel that I received the inspiration. Sometimes it's difficult to say what you mean by receive, but this is what I, uh, you know, we are here with a limited time period, you know, um, and as a filmmaker, I was convinced that I had to do something. And uh, given my experience, my knowledge to speak, about those who suffer in silence that makes sense for me okay uh nicholas you play a character who's both doing something bad but also felt fully justified in his actions what helped you get in the frame of mind to play this character um <clears throat> there was a lot of work uh leading up to production and then in production but matt for me was always um very representative of this sort of archetype that we see um ravaging particularly the United States, these sort of young, um, disenfranchised, violent white men who feel unheard and unseen. Um, you know, we saw it most recently with the with the shooting in Maine. And, right. and obviously, you know, these, these types feel um, 
that their message is paramount, right, to, to any sort of actions that they undertake to get that message across and that all is justified. So it was a pretty deep dive into that psychology. And I researched some of the things you probably expect, you know, um, mm -hmm. extremist psychology and paranoid personality disorder and childhood trauma. And you're not looking to define the person, but you're just looking for um, little bits of a bouquet, I guess, to sort of assemble someone and try and create an honest um, interior life, you know, and representation of what was a very complicated and, and complex human. Great. Now, Philip, the barn had some great moments, but I really love the outdoor shots, which were absolutely beautiful. Where was the film shot? And was it a deliberate choice to have such a beautiful setting in contrast to the depressing barn? So, I mean, yeah, the thing is that, I mean, we shot in the amazing landscape in the national parks in Canada, near Calgary, but all the shooting, I mean, inside the barn has been done in Brussels in Belgium. Okay. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful locations in this. And yeah, Calgary is a great, great place for that, uh, for the mountains and everything. Mm. Um, uh, Nicholas, you play opposite a number of other actors that your character is essentially, in a way, torturing throughout the film. What was the vibe on set and how was it working with the rest of the cast? <laughs> what was the vibe? Um, that's interesting. It was, um, it was very collaborative. Philippe's a wonderful facilitator of um conversation we had a really fruitful rehearsal process where i think everybody felt heard and seen um you know and my colleagues took this message in this film seriously and so i think a lot of what the experience was or the vibe was was reflective of what they were kind of experiencing in the cage you know it, and i think that's what a lot of independent filmmaking is right it can be a little chaotic right. um but controlled chaos and very intentional. Um, so, you know, everyone, it, it's not a, such a hard thing to commit to, especially for them. And they're all, you're right, just tremendous. Um, you know, when they're they're covered in soot and rolling around in a cage all day, I think a lot of the work is, is done for them, truly. Um, and Phil was always a wonderful facilitator too of, of vibe, so to speak, on set. Um, you know, he was a great, yeah, facilitator of tone. Um, I remember, Phil, you used um, some wonderful music, I think, our first day on set when we were shooting some of the um, stuff in solitary confinement, and that was really helpful. Um, so the vibe is what it needed to be, you know, mm -hmm. for this to, to ring true and, and um, yeah, to sort of have a lived experience of, of what, what Matt was putting these people through. Yeah, right. Now, Philip, this film has a very powerful message behind it. Was that an important part of why you wanted to make this film? Yes. Um, just to, yeah, to say to the people that life is so precious. And as a citizen of the world, we, each of us, we have a specific role in the protection of the fragility of life. And I, I think that is the main message of the movie, mm -hmm. if it is done through a thriller. But yeah, but I think Liberty conveys the message that all life on Earth is precious, I think, yeah. Right, absolutely. And Nicholas, what was your biggest takeaway from working on this project? My biggest takeaway, but that's hard. You know, it's, it's different when you find yourself inside and you're sort of responsible for 
the moment to moment interior life and psychology of someone who is integral to sort of the telling of a message, right, to this uh, universe, these universal themes that that Phil is talking about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I think the main takeaway maybe for me um, is the best way to serve a, the message of a film essentially is, is the sort of integral uh, character and narrator of, of those themes. Um, your responsibility still lies in that moment to moment honesty, you know, when you're acting in between and, and doing whatever, it, you know, it remains the same, even with a message as clear and, and poignant and important as the one that film that that, uh, that Liberty portrays, you know, your, your job remains the same as as an actor. Um, so I think that was a, a good takeaway and, and a good lesson. Excellent. This movie, now we're, we're a horror podcast, so I do have to ask a little bit about the kind of the horror aspect of this. Is this a genre that both of you would like to continue working in? Or was this just kind of a product of the story you were telling this particular time? Because this is kind of a mix of horror and real life horror with what is in respect to the animals. So is this a genre that you would like to continue working on in your career? For me, it depends on the topic. What are we talking about? So for that movie, uh, it makes sense for me, you know, to show that the effects of captivity are the same for humans as for animals. So if this is a genre that I would like to pursue, it would depend what would be the next movie. What so, so it's difficult for me to answer. But what I found and uh, what was important for me is I could deliver the message for sure through a documentary. But I decided to go to a thriller. Because I think, I think for the young audience, it is much more easier to follow or, you know, to, to deliver the messages, uh, you know, mm -hmm. for the young audience. That was my feeling. And that is the main reason why I decided to make a thriller. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's so many interesting things are being done in horror right now. We're really seeing that genre bend. I mean, just look mm -hmm. at you know, Jordan Peele's work, for example. Right. And you know, I, it's 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 amazing. Yes, this is a short answer to that. Um, and and I would have to second what what Philippe said. You know, you look at a movie like Hereditary, objectively terrifying, but also a movie about grief. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so I do think it's it's a medium or a genre rather that is really effective and has been historically in in sort of. Um, you know, exploring different important themes that we that we have to look at, you know, doing that classic thing that storytelling is always done from the dawn of time, you know, hundreds of, of years ago, this is, you know, putting up that mirror. And I think, you know, the horror genre is no exception to that. So yeah, of course. Absolutely. And also a question for both of you, can you tell our listeners where they can follow you on social media, or maybe the film on social media, so they can kind of find this film, track its progress and see what's going on? Yeah, well, you can't find me on social media. I'm no, off. That's great, actually. I, I, I'm super like jealous in a way. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. No, whether or not that's detrimental to my personal life and career, you know, is, is up for debate. But but Liberty certainly has, um, you know, is, is doing all the right stuff, and we have an Instagram page, and uh, I believe a TikTok just launched as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Facebook as well. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Philip and Nicholas, for coming on the show, everyone. Please go check out Liberty when it's released on November 21st on digital. It is really 
I think important film in a lot of ways that people need to check out because it does have a great message in it. It's beautifully directed and you did an absolutely great job starring in this. I felt that character is a power. So thank you very much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Steve. Take care, man. Some